If you insist, we will die on any hill upon which you might find us. For we plan only to inhabit hills for which we ought to give our lives. Welcome back, friends. Today's show is about minimalism, so I'll keep it short and explain it after the intro music. Let's go. All ahead, one third. All ahead, one third. Aye, aye. Stand by to dive. Diving stations. Dive. Dive. Welcome, friends, to the Protect Your Noggin podcast. We offer lessons in outfoxing religious wolves, and sometimes we will address emotionally difficult subjects, so make sure you pay careful attention to our descriptions of each of the episodes, and then also have some resources handy, such as the Crisis Text Line, that's one of our favorites, which is 741-741, that's 741-741. Now, just take a deep breath, because we're not afraid to go deep, but don't worry, because we'll also have some fun along the way. Our plan is to help us all resurface with insights and tools to help heal ourselves and our communities. So come along, because we got this. Lady, have we ever felt richer than when we started giving things away and shedding stuff and paring down? I don't know. I haven't. I feel like the whole world at some point a few years ago started to become more and more of our playground. Yeah, well, definitely. um, It's definitely a good feeling to go through and get rid of stuff. And especially because one of my biggest problems is the more stuff I seem to have, then the less I can find what I need <laughs> when I need it, right? It, yeah. So it almost defeats the whole purpose, and I end up buying whatever it was I was looking for anyway. Again. Yeah. Another HDMI cord. Another, uh, you know, inkwell. Well, and, and part of it, too, is some of, even some of the extra, like, kitchen stuff or whatever. I knew we were downsizing, and so I was kind of thinking, you know, well, I'll have some of this to either, you know, give to to Augie as he's moving out of his place or to give to Aiden, you know, as, as Aiden's moving out. And, and then when I find out that neither of them really want any of it, and I'm like, okay, well, I just, just get rid of it because yes. it doesn't matter, you know. Anyway, but it's amazing how much stuff can accumulate over time. And we have moved around a lot. So we haven't had the ability to like store up in a house over 20 years, say, mm. that some people do. That said, if I could go back to the beginning and stay lean, mm-hmm. I'd have more money. I would be less stressed. A lot of my stresses have been related to figuring out what to do with my crap or moving my crap. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? true. And now that we are moving towards eventually someday being retired in a in a truck camper or some vehicle (laughs) who knows when this will be because i just said the other day i'm having so much fun with the students with what we're doing with what you're doing and these these new conversations and relationships that you know i'll stick it out here for quite some time mainly because living on campus allows me not to have to commute back and forth throughout the day because we're doing stuff at nine on Wednesdays at night. We're doing stuff at eight. You know, we're doing a protect your monogam Bible study on Mondays at night. Yeah. So, and it's, so it's, just, it's convenient. It really helps to just pop outside <laughs> just, rather than having to yeah, yeah. drive down here or something. Yeah. And there's so many students from around the world and, and from 
our backyard here, you know, in Orange County or wherever it is that, that, um, like this is, this is what we were meant for. I mean, this is just joy to be able to be with our colleagues and students at this time when people are nervous about losing things Mm -hmm. and we can say, don't be so sad. Don't be so sad about that. Don't always assume that whatever befalls you or whatever you're rewarded with is a good or bad thing. Right. Sometimes you get good things, you get stuff that becomes a burden. Mm-hmm. You know, you win a car on a game show, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on a game show. And then you have to pay um, taxes. Then you pay taxes <laughs> on the game show. But, but you know, um, but sometimes accumulating stuff and then losing stuff, we, we assume that this is either a tragedy or a, or, a, or a joy. And sometimes when life, not always, I'm not trying to make light of people's abject suffering. I'm talking about for a lot of us who grew up with a, a kind of affluent experience. And when we have to have some of this stripped away from us, it is as if the Tao is forcing us to let go of our false ego. Mm-hmm. It's as if circumstances bring us back around to what really matters. Right Now, if you can go to life with minimalism mm-hmm. then you don't have to fear somebody taking your crap right <laughs> or losing it if you if that was the game in the first place then you say thank you life right. <laughs> you know for stripping stripping this this stuff out you know well and i think that as we you know as you are a young adult and you start envisioning your life and and you know, I, there's the parts of a well, you know, I'm going to have a house, I'm going to have a home, a family, hopefully have this job, and this, what this you car, and all these things where, uh, you know, I, I know that even for some people, they would prefer to move away from the more expensive areas here that we're living a little closer to the coast. And so... It, they would rather move inland and have a, a larger house because they spend so much time at right. home and that kind of thing. Right. And and so, you know, for for us, we've never really valued or you know, like uh, we. It doesn't matter. Almost sometimes, how big our house is, our family is often congregated to yeah. like one main room. We will all cuddle in the in the main room. We will eat in the main room. So that, that's our that's our dining room. That's our game room. That's our spiritual room. Mm-hmm. That's our listening to vinyl room. That's our watching baseball room. It's just one room, which is about what we're sitting in right now, is about double the size of the space of our truck camper. So it feels like a palace. <laughs> and when we're in the truck camper, we used to, before we called it St. Uh, George, the slayer of, of religious dragons, we thought about calling it the mansion because <laughs> we had moved into it from the true minimalist spirit of the uh, of the Delica. Yeah, the Delica was God really bless her. small. We love her so much. I miss her. But the the fact is, having two vehicles was not minimalistic. <laughs> so no right. matter how small the van is, we were in a uh, Mitsubishi Delica, and we spent uh, half a year in that, and it was glorious and um, probably the most of a rush of the minimalist rush i could have ever experienced when we were doing that you know in the northern california beaches or mm-hmm. the colorado mountains it was it was a rush because we can get into anywhere we wanted to go four-wheel drive it just didn't have a bathroom it didn't have a table and then we had to spend so much of our lives setting up and taking down and this then leads us into the Tao Te Ching, because with our minimalism 
Minimalism doesn't mean stripping down to such scarcity that you're not prepared. Right. You need to be ready for life. Right. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, and you mentioned prepared, I mean, it could be prepared in anything. You know, it's not about not protecting yourself. It's not about uh, not having, you know, all of the necessities, all of the things that you you do need. But it's about choosing even, you know, quality over quantity. Yeah. About, you know, what, what is, what's the fluff? <laughs> Let's get rid right. of the fluff and, and make things a little less complicated. If I could have started over, I'd say, and I'll say to every one of you young people, yeah, get yourself a really ga- a great driver, you know, a, 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 an electric screwdriver, you mm-hmm. know, um, a drill. You can, you can sand with this thing. You can cut, you know, parts out of a, of a, of a closet so you can run wire through it. Invest in a really good one of those. Spend maybe two fifty when you think you could do it for forty for some cheap knockoff, and don't create a whole garage filled with tools unless you're working with tools. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying all the time. Like it, it's it's not a matter as you were saying. It's not a matter. Minimalism is not a matter of being cheap. Right. It's actually not being cheap at all because you can channel all of your resources into one or two really great tools that can do a thousand things. Mm -hmm. And if you can catch that spirit, if you can understand how getting one really great utility tool could in fact be a really good move for your life and how not having disposable tools, but, but tools you give to your kids someday Mm -hmm. is not a bad way to go for your life. Well, and and part of what I was starting to say is when you know you you have those ideas of of this job, this house, these cars, the, and all of all of this stuff that somehow maybe this is where I've arrived. This is where I you know I'm a success when I have some of these things. Yeah, I think more importantly, it it's good to consider what sort of lifestyle you want and what things do you value because if for some reason. Uh, you find yourself going down, you know, more in, into the city type of thing, and you want to just be able to pop down from where you live to the bagel shop and grab something, and and you know, and walk over to the park or whatever, and keep everything contained. Then it really makes no sense to be living out in the suburbs, always constantly driving in to where you find your happiness. Alternatively, you know, if <laughs> if you're somebody that's living farther away. Uh, for the big house, but then you find yourself driving constantly over to a beach town to take advantage of a beach, you know, you've got to weigh sort of, you know, where, where, where is my quality of life? What kind of life do I want to live? What, you know, what things are, are in that life? And then use that to figure out, you know, are you always going to be on the move? Do you always want to travel? Well, then maybe, you know, certainly not owning a home, renting is a better option for the time that you are still, but maybe, you know, maybe living, you know, more full-time in a vehicle and learning mm-hmm. how to do that, it, it makes more sense, you know? So right. again, I think that sometimes we have other people tell us what they think the expectations are yeah. and we just internalize it and we don't even realize, wait a minute, is this actually how I define success or what I want to do in my life? Let me flip it one way too. You could say, ah, the way to be a minimalist is to live in a vehicle, but you might find yourself spending so much of your time and resources (laughs) trying to get out of the vehicle or get out of the vehicle or make the vehicle work for you or whatever that it's, it's no longer working. So, you know, if you, if you think that living in a vehicle that's small, is minimalism, but it makes it so you can't do the other 
things you need to do in life, then that's not minimalism. No, right. You, you would be more likely to do well by just buying a modest house or renting a modest apartment uh, near where you work mm-hmm. and not wasting two hours of your life commuting. I mean, think about this. People want the big house. This is, you know, sometimes you have to because you've got a lot of kids. Right. But if you can afford it, you know, like our oldest is in a very tiny place mm-hmm. uh, in Costa Mesa, but he's right next to all the things he wants to be there for. Right. So he can walk to the things he wants to walk to. Correct. In Costa Mesa, where they got better food, interesting nightlife, he can ride his bike down to the beach. He can uh, take his motorcycle to a coffee shop two blocks away. And why does he need more? But if he, um, if he were trying to live in a vehicle, he might have to pay an extra bit of money to try to find in this part of California. Um, I think like we've looked into it for our part of California, it's not going to be less than $1,200 a month. Mm -hmm. And then it goes up a lot more if we want to stay here in the summer. Mm -hmm. So if we move off campus, and eventually, I think we will just for our own, because um, we'll, we're getting older. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a, a really delightful semester, but if, if I'm going at this pace, man, <laughs> yes. I think we're not going to be able to pull it off. Um, but um, we're building stuff. But if, if eventually we move off campus and we're close, then I'll be able to not worry about a thing in the world because I'm still going to be living in an RV. Maybe, you know, we've talked about living on the streets in such a way that we're not doing it illegally but we're, you know, having to move around a lot. That's unsettling sometimes. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, interested in the idea, but I'm a little nervous about it. But if we were to go down to an RV park that they would allow us to be in, most of them are kind of 55 years and older. Mm-hmm. Although you never know, maybe we just do what we're doing now until we're 55. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying they'll let, let, let us in. But the point is that that would cost, that there's a certain cost to that. So it might be that that's not necessarily that, that that's not necessarily the win. That I look like I'm being minimalist, but I'm actually taking on all these extra expenses and oh, right. And like if you work. yeah, if you went, if that if if that means again, you're just going to go spend a whole bunch of your time elsewhere, and that wasn't the purpose of it, you know. Then there's some people that want to just hang out at home, right? And if yeah. that's what you mostly do, that's what you should do. Then build that space so <laughs> yeah. that you enjoy it, and that yeah. you know that's where where you find your rest and where you know where you want to be. But if you find yourself Mm-hmm. You know, with a bigger place, but then you're still always looking for somewhere else to be. Then again, no good. it's not. But if that doesn't make sense to you, if you don't like that, if it unsettles you, then don't do it. Right? Don't do somebody else's Dow surfing. Dow surf your own scene. <laughs> you right? Know? You got to. Fi- that's the art of it. You got to figure it out. Well, why don't we? Why don't we then turn to what I think is a thesis statement for this idea of minimalism, Chapter Fifty Nine? When leading people. And serving under heaven, it's best to be minimalist. Living minimally allows you to surf the Tao. If you surf the Tao, you will store up a rich supply of duh. With a rich supply of duh, nothing can stop you. You will be limitless. Without limits, you will be potent and in control of your own life. Possessing this natural potency, you can be enduring. This is being deeply rooted and well-grounded. This is the Tao of resilience and foresight. Now, we were going back over desperately this chapter today because you were looking at some research related to what some of these phrases might mean, Mm -hmm. and maybe we were off track, and we... um, Or just sometimes a word choice evokes a certain image in my head that, you know, sort of maybe... 
you know, like the word powerful, for instance, yeah. instead of potent. We were, yeah, potency and power are kind of synonyms. And I feel that the way when it said, like, you'll be powerful, I, I didn't want it to come across as, like, sort of power is one of the things that people can sometimes unhealthily, like, crave. Right, and so I, I power. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's a difference between, you know, somebody being empowered to do what they need That's to do. That's a good do, term. <laughs> versus, I'm powerful and I'm going to make everybody else do my bidding. Well, part of the reason that I kind of really wanted to make sure we kept potent is because duh, this term T-E, duh, is virtue. And it, it's like this. You've got Tao. This is the way. This is just the ultimate reality. And out of this ultimate reality comes a certain kind of energy, kind of like the force, kind of like the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but it's duh. It is, it is virtue. And it's like the virtue of a plant that can have a potency. So if it's uh, tea or coffee, it has a virtue of keeping you awake. So, so the, there's an energy to it, mm-hmm. right? So like a, a poison has a certain kind of virtue. Uh, a medicine has a certain kind of virtue. And you take a medicine, you go, wow, that was like, that was powerful medicine. You might also say, that was potent medicine. So instead of saying powerful, mm-hmm. we're not thinking that the Tao surfer is powerful in the sense of dominating others, but they're empowered and therefore they're potent. They're a potent medicine. They're a potent force even though they don't force people, right? <laughs> right? This exactly. Is, so words are really tough. And so we had a lot of fun with it. Ultimately though, as you were reading it, Stacy, I realized that, you know, an hour ago I would, I was not so sure as you're reading it now, I'm saying, dang it, we don't need to comment on this much. I love this so, so much as a chapter because it really doesn't need too much explanation. So let's keep our, our comments on this one relatively short. Let's start from the beginning when leading people and serving under heaven, it's best to be minimalist. Um, this is about, to me, the idea that by not having too many encumbrances, mm-hmm. not too many too many um, things you got to spend money on, you can be free to be authentic, bold, and uh, generous, and and powerful in the sense that when somebody comes at you with threats of taking away your things, you'd say, "Well, I, I don't really need things," mm-hmm. or you know what I'm saying, right? Um, or or if you want to accumulate wealth, you don't have to get bribed. You don't have to worry about getting bribed into doing something immoral or compromising Mm -hmm. because you don't care about the thing that they would bait you with. Virtue is its own reward for the Tao server. And therefore you're, you're limitless. You're unstoppable. I would would also add um, to the the comment about minimalists. It's, there's also an, uh, an aspect of it that is sort of like a, you know, like, being wise with the resources that you're given, it's it's not being wasteful, right? Right. And respecting, you know, other life and things enough that you take what you need, not necessarily always what you might want, right? right. right. There's that. There's sometimes a, this fine line between the you know the things that we actually do need versus accumulating certain things that is a show to others that we have somehow right. made it in this world. But so, so you say want, I would say like, I'm with you. So you get what you need. You don't need to worry about what you might want, but you get more than you ever dreamed. Right. That's, that's right. the blessing at the end of it. It's not that you don't get to have those beautiful things that you want. Like, you know, I was like, oh, you, right. you don't have to have that. So you don't get it. That's that's bleak, right? Well, you know, it, that's like Soviet Union era. You like you only need a potato. Why do you want like dressing on the potato? So one of the things that 
Taoists uh, in the old days were famous for was kind of finding ways to help you live a long life. You know, kind of a little bit shady in a sense, I'm going to help you have immortality. Mm. And they even ended up with a certain kind of tradition of alchemy where they were going to mix together various components and then you could live a long life or you could meditate in a certain way so you would have longevity. <laughs> also, how, how, much, how much time of your life would you spend meditating in that one certain way and not yeah. living? <laughs> there right. is a sense in which like, that's, so that's maybe how many years did you lose yeah. by doing the meditation? You know, if uh-huh. I'm not saying that there isn't value in meditation there's, because I believe you know there's there a, is, a yeah. huge value right. in meditation. No, but, the, but meditation for some can become like this chore that you're going to try to earn enlightenment with. Right. You know, um, but the idea is um, it comes from, in many ways, Lao Tzu being commercialized in just popular culture, right? So, oh, so Lao Tzu talks about holding back on your expenditure of your vital life force, Mm -hmm. Um, not not, um, expending all of that life force so that you have it when you need it. So, you know, one of the things with this next line, um, it says, if you can surf the Tao, you'll store up a rich supply of duh. Right. So I would have... If, even if going with the the point of surfing the Tao, so if if you're using the waves and the energy of the waves to propel you forward, then you can conserve on your own energy, right? Or if you're floating on top of the wave instead of fighting against, um, or not, you know, not so much like waves are gonna they're gonna bring you along, right? But even if you're no, just you can be you be caught up in the turbulence of of the whitewash, yeah. But but you can use the those force and the energy of the ocean itself to help you like i was saying conserve on your own energy when you're trying when you're not in the flow when you're like forcing and kicking so hard to catch a wave right you almost drowned you get and you get super tired right and you can only do that for so long but if you're waiting if instead you're patient and waiting for the right wave to come for you to be in the right position when the wave is coming and, and slowly get yourself there if you're not right and by watching the whole scene, then you can conserve on your own resources. And you'll be limitless. And because you're limitless, you'll be potent. And then you'll be in control of mm-hmm. your own life. And when you do this, it says you can be enduring. So this isn't about eternal life in, the, in that sense, but it's about um, this kind of ability to withstand those waves of life. Right. And specifically this word that we finally settled on just a little while ago, resilience. Mm. It is so hard, even if you, if you have those moments of spiritual ecstasy, to be able to put up with all the nastiness in society today, mm. all the negativity in the news, all the negativity in society. How do you prevail? You keep pressing on to the higher calling. That is resilience. Well, and it, and it says, and foresight. So you can kind mm. of, you see into how, you know, how is this going? How, you know, what does the vision for the future look like, right? And and how do we get there? How do we move in that direction? But you have a, a, a way of seeing the world and how it can be, mm-hmm. and you help contribute mm-hmm. to that. I shouldn't fail to mention also the Dow Surfer Ranch down in San Diego, which is still a, you know, a live conversation for us. It's just we're so busy with work that we can't get down there enough. Uh, but we have been able to chat with some folks about uh, beekeeping, and uh, maybe that's a way for us to, um, to make use of that property and be able to develop it in a way that uh, could be a, a nice place for us to um, kind of move down to and retire. Um, but what's interesting is I wouldn't have thought of it 
had I been worried about the values that, you know, were kind of put onto me, you know, things, things that I was supposed to care about. Right. And so here's this, this piece of dirt that is one of the most beautiful places we've been. I got a little Creek going through, I got these old black Oaks and, you know, there's petroglyphs and all this stuff. And, um, nobody noticed it. It was low down to the ground, you know, I was down there and uh, it's kind of hidden. But one of the things that was interesting is we may have mentioned, you know, we mentioned on an earlier show where there was a guy who was living out of his RV who said, why do you need that dirt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and there is a way in which that the Dow Surfer Ranch, we now I think we're in a good space. We can figure out what to, to do with it. But when we originally had gone into it, um, you know, the neighbors would, would hassle us for, for using it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know. They got used to having nobody around. Right. And that they wanted that is their view from their backyard. Yes. Then for the owners of the land to actually be yeah. on it doing so anything. So they are it. they are just nitpickers. I mean there was one neighbor that didn't want us to um to cut back the branches that were blocking the road, which would be like our carving out a space for fire trucks to get down <clears throat> into this point you know, our driveway is basically point eight <laughs> miles uh, down uh, into our little valley and um but the neighbors were going to try to hassle us for that which they had no right to do you should cl- you should be able to clear the county road that no one's cleared um but but at the same time i think what we finally realized is people don't want people going people down going down there. down there right so um so but it that, that hassle caused a lot of anxiety in me. Mm-hmm. So here I am, I'm trying, it's, Dow surfing is in, in minimalism can be difficult because it's not as simple as saying, I'm just going to get my off-grid farm. It's like, all right, I'm going to get my off-grid farm and fight the county and fight the neighbors and be able to build it. And then my dad gets poison oak that's debilitating and, you know, because we were weed whacking it right. <laughs> as idiots. So to, to, to do that sort of thing uh, can, can be difficult. And that takes us to chapter 44, if I may, which is one of the things that we think about when we think about minimalism is letting go of our need to have stuff, possessions, power, money, and so forth. But what is really at the root of this is also letting go of our desire to adorn our ego with the, you know, jewelry if, if you will, like symbolically, we could say we, we try to do all these things to have these jewels of um, adornment on our ego, like I've got a doctorate. We were talking about this the other day where the family calls me Mr. Jeff um, so that, you know, it's, it's like this idea of, of selling the possession, you know, like when Jesus says, sell everything, mm-hmm. selling the possession of your title mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing and those, the worldly authority. Would you mind reading chapter 44? All right. It says, which is more precious, your name or your true self? Which do you value more? Your true self or what you own? Which is the real calamity? Winning or losing? Lust for possessions is costly. Hoard everything and you will lose everything. Learning to be content avoids dishonor. Knowing when to stop averts disaster. This is the key to longevity in life's endeavors. I like how we put it as longevity in life's endeavors, because that goes back to that thing I was saying. It's about, not everlasting life, yeah. eternal life or, or something. Or just living or just, to 90. Mm-hmm. It's saying that you're, you're going to endure, you're going to have, you're going to have staying power, mm-hmm. you know, in your endeavors. So I think it's really important that we go back up to the top and you had, were starting to hit on 
um, you know, some of this where it says, which is more precious, your name or your true self. So your name in this context, you know, we're talking about even sort of like your reputation, or as you mentioned, even your doctorate degree, a title that you have, right? You're, you're thinking That's more, what name means here. Right. We're talking about, um, you know, these sort of these, even these labels or, you know, how is it that we see ourselves and how do we want the world to see us mm-hmm. versus our true self? Like who, mm-hmm. who, what, what facades might you be putting on versus who you really are when you're at the quiet of your own home, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or even that can also even be sort of just your well-being in general, like, or what you really want, right? Like, there's something that society says this: the cool kids want this. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what do I, what do I really want out of life? What right. am I really here for? Do I want all those things? Because they want, they want to mm-hmm. sell you <laughs> all these things that they, they're telling you that you want, right? <laughs> and then the next line: Which do you value more, your true self or what you own? Sometimes you break your body so you can get that boat. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy the boat? Right. Well, and. You know, something can happen to the boat. By the way, I do enjoy boats. (laughs) (laughs) Something can happen to the boat overnight, right? But if you broke your body over it, like, can you even enjoy it, first of all? But the other thing is, is like, you got one body. Mm. (laughs) You can have multiple boats in a lifetime, Mm. (laughs) right? Yep. Yep. So, you know, if, if it's... If it's going to kill you to get there, yep. is it worth it? People, people have, you know, fallen to their deaths trying to grab their iPhone, you know, or, or you know, lost their lives to a forest fire trying to, trying to keep their property, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I understand it, but it's also the calamity. Now, which is the real calamity, winning or losing? I love that. We won't spend too much time on it, but in the written reflection that we have, if you, by the way, go to protectionoggin.org when we are releasing each week a couple of Stacy's reflections on the Tao Te Ching. Um, and uh, you get it right here on the podcast. Um, but as we, as we kind of are going through these, we're not at 44 yet, right? So we're kind of uh, cruising along. But um, what we're going to talk about in our written reflection on this is the idea of the, um, the lottery winners who end up having disasters in life. You know, it's like, it's a calamity. Um, I mean, well, it's probably and, a different chapter, more money, more problems. And, and I guess, you know, when you mention, um, you know, which is the real calamity, winning or losing, I would say by whose standards, right? What, yeah. you know, is it the world standards that you're using to see if you're winning, you mm-hmm. know, versus losing? I, you know, I've always thought about this, that, you know, you think of any time that there are people that become uh, famous or popular, I mean, there's a lot of things that they lose, you know, yeah. they, they lose the ability to walk out in their sweatpants yeah. And, yeah. and go and go, you know, with no makeup on to somewhere without being on the front page of a magazine saying this is how horrible so and so looked or or can yeah. you even eat a meal quietly without no. people trying to, you know, get a photo with you or yep. something. Right. Yep. Uh, and then the other the other thing, too, is, you know, is. Is anybody like is when people when they talk about they finally have arrived they finally have the the job that they want or the car that they want in the house and they have it all like did, are those people like do we normally see those people always saying I'm happy there's nothing else in life I need especially when they've burned bridges with friendships and lost right. their relationships they find out they're yeah. lonely or yeah. you know there's so many things that money can't buy that they might be missing out on and now let's get dark. 
when we get to the end of our lives, we've known many people like this that have crushed people in their path. And then right at the end of their life, they've hoarded their wealth and their stuff. And then at the end, they, they realize as they die, they're letting go of all those things and they've got nothing else. They don't have a legacy that they care about. They don't have a legacy of love. They don't have f- friends with them on their deathbed. So if you hoard everything and you don't be generous mm-hmm. with people in your life, you will lose everything. This is just a, a truism. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it also says um, when we mention lust for possessions is costly, and it's more even than just possessions, but it's like lust for anything. You know, there's it's it's a bigger thing than that because anything can become excess to somebody, mm. right? And so it's kind of like the that consumption nature mm-hmm. of insatiable desire. Yes, that that no matter what it is, you know, for somebody. Uh, I mean, if if you don't figure that out, I think. I don't know, because there's people that you hear about even stalking other people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you lose your life when you end up unhealthily Mm -hmm. wanting something, right? Yeah. There's a weird sickness there. Yeah. But like you said, then, you know, and when you're coming to the end of it all, like, can you take anything with you? No. All that you really will have left behind is your legacy of love, is what, you know, we often will say. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says, learning to be content avoids dishonor. If you can be content with the things that you have, you are going to be less likely to try to cut corners or hurt others or trample on be other fraudulent. people. Right. To get, to get to that spot or. And eventually people will look at you and say, well, that's a dishonorable jerk. Yes. And so there you go. And then knowing when to stop averts disaster. I mean, I think, I mean, you were already, you know, mentioning this, like it, what point is your health even involved, right? Like yeah. knowing when you when you need to rest, knowing when you need to stop, knowing when you need to pull back or, you know, that this is something I can't, you know, I don't need to be in, involved with. And there's so much, you know, there's so much more life on the other side of it, right? And you're not going to deal with that, the disaster. Maybe I can then move to 48. Can I read it? Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter 48 talks about academic knowledge or like, you know, kind of book smarts. Uh, it says... Seek academic knowledge, and you can acquire facts day by day. Seek the wisdom of the Tao, and you'll clear junk from your life day by day. Let go of more and more, so you can learn to surf the Tao. Surfing the Tao allows you to accomplish anything without forcing everything. If you want to flourish in the world, don't try to control the world. Indeed, if you try to control the world, you aren't ready to flourish in it. So the first part here, you know, uh, nothing wrong with academic facts. That's what I do for a living. But there's this idea that, you know, you could think of learning as just showing everybody how many things you've you've added to the storehouse of knowledge in your brain. Right. Or, or even think it, as we go through life, we value learning things along the way. Right. So there is there is a sense in which... Um, you know, that's something, some things you're gathering for your toolbox, mm. right? But this wisdom is juxtaposed to it so that you have this idea of clearing the junk out of your life. That's what the Tao brings. Mm-hmm. The Tao isn't about just memorizing a bunch of stuff. It's, oh, I'm better at the Tao because I've learned more about ancient Chinese philosophy. No, 
If you really want to understand the Tao, apply it to your life and start to pull things out <laughs> that you don't need. Right. Unlearn what you've learned, as Yoda would say. Exactly. The unlearning part like that. Yeah. So sometimes it helps. <laughs> sometimes it helps to follow recipes so that you know how to then be a good cook, right? But mm. then maybe you don't need, in a certain sense, when you get a feel for it, you don't need all of the maybe being bogged down by all these recipes, right? You could start to even just explore mm. on your own. <laughs> and and maybe even better, um, yeah, understanding some of those fundamental wisdoms of mm. balancing flavor. Certainly the one thing you can get rid of in the in the kitchen is all those extra plastic gadgets that you see on TV, <laughs> you know, the the blooming onion slicer or something. If you got a few good knives and pans and you, and you really understand how to use those tools, you spend a little bit more on those a little bit less on extra food processors and, right. you know, that sort of thing. And even, you know, there's a lot of times where, you know, we've learned even with the cooking, less is, less is often more, you know, yeah, when sometimes. there are certain times when you can just throw in flavors that will just take over another flavor and you miss out on the delicacy or the simplicity of a, of a certain flavor mm-hmm. uh, if we're not careful, right? <laughs> so, all, you know, it's not always that you realize that you can do a lot more with less things when you're using the wisdom of the Tao. Skip to the last stanza. If you want to flourish in the world, don't try to control it. This mm. isn't just about um, you know, any specific aspect of life, though probably originally they were talking about government. You know, if you want to try to if you want to try to be a good ruler, you want to mm-hmm. be a good leader, you're not gonna to try to dominate everybody in every nitty gritty bit of their life that's gonna cause them to resent you. It's gonna be creating a lot of friction that's unnecessary. And what is, what is that last line? What's another way of saying that last line? If you try to control the world, you aren't ready to flourish in it. That's our interpretive take on it. Well, as Derek Lynn would say, you aren't qualified to take the world. Yeah. So there's a the lack of qualification. It says if you want to flourish in the world, don't try to control it. There's also a piece of it where if you already think you have all the answers and you're just trying to get everybody else to do your bidding, Yeah. That there's a whole portion of the world that is going to be unavailable to you because yeah. you're you're too close-minded to see it. Yeah. And if you are too close-minded to even see those things, how in the world are you ready then to take on the world when you're not even factoring in maybe 90% of the rest of the world's perspective or information that it could offer you because you already think you got it figured out and you're 10% of, of knowledge that you have. Think about that petty, dictator, narcissistic self-absorbed dictator that's trying to control everything in their little republic. They think they're God, that they have all the answers, that everybody just needs to do what they want them to do. And apart from being annoying to the global community, they're kind of irrelevant. Yeah. And despicable. Mm -hmm. Who needs that? Like, you know, like you, you don't rule the world. You're kind of marginalized from everything. I mean, you know, like North Korea what are you ruling, dude? Right. What is the regime in North Korea ruling? A bunch of like starving people and in one little area, and you know, their people can't like, good go for anywhere. You. They don't yeah, go, they anywhere go anywhere else. They can't. You know, you don't have other people coming in. You're just this isolated. Yeah. I don't know that 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 is not that is not really seeing the fullness of what this world can offer, enjoying all of the gifts that are available to us. And one of the gifts, friends, is the true village, the ideal village. And this is, you know, it almost, if I would have, if I would have been Lao Tzu or the editors of this text, I would have made this 81. Mm-hmm. But it's chapter 80 because it's the ideal society. It is, after we've talked about all these things, you know, for 79 chapters, how do you apply it 
to not the depiction of the sage now, but to the society or to the utopia, to the village that the sage can help steer us towards. And that's what we get in chapter 80. Would you read it? Yeah. As I'm reading it, there's sort of sometimes this image of of the Shire that comes to mind for those of you that are uh, Tolkien fans. But it says, the ideal society is a modest country with small, close-knit villages. They store sufficient weapons, but only for self-defense. They respect life and death, so even though they have vehicles, they don't use them for foreign invasion. Though they are well-armed, they don't have to put their armies on display. Instead, they celebrate and record the simple joys of their lives together. Their food is delightful, their clothes are artful, their dwellings are tranquil, and their customs are mirthful. They can see other towns in the distance. They can hear neighboring roosters crowing and dogs barking. Yet throughout the course of their lives, they never go over to complain or quarrel. Ah, I'm proud of that one. I like that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like this, this basically the society where you still live in community with one another, but mm-hmm. it's not huge, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's sustainable, you mm-hmm. know, it's from the, and that these people, they have the ability to protect themselves, but they don't really need to because nobody's coming to harm them. They know mm-hmm. that they're, they have a strength in their community together that they will band together, perhaps, you know, against anybody that does try to come and take over, right? Mm-hmm. So, they're, they could be, a, you know, a threat to be rec- reckoned with. Yeah. Um, and then, that they, they aren't, they're also not trying to flex their muscles of showing off, right. like, you know, that they are powerful or that they do have this strength. Once again, North Korea, let's, let's do a parade. Let's show how much we've got here. And we're going to fire off our weapons to show you that we've got that. And the Soviet Union used to do that. And it's been threatened on occasion in other places. And it's a sign of, it's a sign of weakness mm-hmm. to be yelling that much, you know? Yeah. And, and I think this is very similar to what uh, the uh, Christian philosopher Jacques Ellul um, talked about when he wrote on Christian anarchy. The word anarchy has become a, you know, a real incendiary word today because it's associated with a variety of, of different ideologies. More importantly, though, it's something that sometimes gets taken over by more nefarious folks mm-hmm. that want to co-opt movements. But Christian anarchy is more of a mood than a you know proposal for a, a re- revolutionary society. But this is what it looks like, right? Where it's, it's, we are peaceful, we are secure, we're prepared. Um, the one thing that is interesting here, though, is that um, while there is a, a strong kind of pacifist theme within Christianity, um, and there's also, of course, the crusader theme in Christianity, the, the, the Tao surfers are not the sort to completely rid themselves of their weapons. So it's not, it's not a pacifism. They, yeah. they appreciate peace. Mm-hmm. 
it's nonviolent in its in its uh, quest for like it's nonviolent in the way libertarians are. They're against foreign wars that are unnecessary, attacking, invading, conquering. All of that is right out. Don't go conquering. Right. Don't go and, pillaging. And, and there is a there's another chapter that it says if you're going to go to war, then it's as if you're going to a funeral. So, it, but it's not that you never do go to war. It's not that you don't stand up and fight for yourself or for others or that if you see certain injustice or whatever. But it it is about you know, doing it with, you know, the most, use, use your resources effectively, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you are going to, you know, engage in, in any sort of battle or whatever, it's something you know you need to do. It's yeah. not something that you're happy necessarily that you have to go do this. No. Uh, but you aren't going to do it from weakness. You're doing it from a source of, of strength, a clear, uh, with a, clarity of who you are and why you're involved in this um yep. you know you 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 mentioned a tweet uh that you had said recently oh yeah i should probably i, I think we're thinking of making this our our uh i wouldn't say it's our motto it is a a principle of life because we were we were talking oops there we go we were talking to heather our friend heather and and we were saying, you know, how do we... we mentioned, we've mentioned her before, and yeah. uh, she's actually going to be soon a guest on our show. Yes. So you'll all get to meet her. But we haven't... Uh, we go to church with her, and we haven't been able to get up there to L.A. for church. Uh, we're always Skyping. But then we always say, oh, well, we'll catch up one of these days. But, um, you know, to talk about these other themes. And one of the themes we've wanted to talk with her about was uh, how are we going to make a difference in the world without creating more heat than light without causing disruption and, yeah. and hurt and, and, and division such that it's unproductive. Right? right. So I know what I want to say, but if I say, let's not do this, you know, like one, one of the things that happens is I'll say, Hey everybody, let's not be Nazis. Let's not be fascists. That never works. Everyone's always <laughs> like, um, Partly because it's just like a trigger word, right? Yeah, or sometimes you've said repent. <laughs> well, that one I still like. But anyway, so here, here's here's where we came, where we got to it. Um, this is on the and friends, please follow us on social media. It helps us out. Yes. Um, protect your noggin at the p y n p is our Twitter handle. Um, if you insist, this is what we say. If you insist, we will die on any hill upon which you might find us, for we plan only to inhabit hills for which we ought give our lives. I'm going to read it again. If you insist, we will die on any hill upon which you might find us. For we plan only to inhabit hills for which we ought give our lives. And that village is on a hill for which we'd give our lives. Right? That's, that's mm-hmm. the key. That's what needs to be defended. And sometimes, you know, you, you always want to go to the very last resort any kind of force you want to, you want to use nonviolent resistance. Well, and I think that's also, that's also the minimalist thing. Like, you know, in what areas should we spend our, our time, effort and energy? Mm -hmm. You know, where do we spend our resources and only put ourselves in those places where that's what we should be doing. And if we don't feel like we should be doing something, then you let that go. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. The wisdom of the Tao would be there. There are times Mm -hmm. (laughs) where I know that, um, our, Dear, our dear, dear Jeff here, like he, and I've mentioned this before, but he hates to say no. And so often will find himself overextending himself in, in certain projects. And so what you've learned recently is even though you're, you're 
probably overextended, mm-hmm. uh, you're choosing to be a part of the things that are life-giving for you. Right. And So I'm busy, but I'm not frazzled. And you're, yes, so that everything that... <clears throat> So that everything that you are doing, you realize it's worth your time. It's bringing right. you enjoyment, even though you're probably you know you're busy, you have lack of sleep, and all that. So there's still a balance yeah, to be sure. found in there. But but the idea is, you know, why you know why should we spend our time you know doing those things that we know we really shouldn't be doing, or it's mm. not where we're meant to be. Now there are times where life in general, you, you know, you got to pay taxes, even yep. though you don't want to pay taxes. I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about when it comes to the decisions that we're making, you know, where, where do we put our time, effort, and energy? Only put it on those hills that, that are really worth you being a yeah. part of, right? Don't waste time on the w- worthless hills. Figure that out before you get to ask the question whether you're going to battle for them. Now, it is true that we might say to ourselves many times before we die, oh, yeah, no, that's not a hill. Then we just get off that hill right. and, we, and we don't go back to it. I'm not going to go pick a fight that is just trying to piss people off. I'm not going to go pick a fight so that I look woke. If I see that there's a concern that we need to address, address if these students need to hear this conversation. Just because it's a difficult conversation to have. It I will die on that hill. It doesn't mean that you avoid it or, yeah, that you yeah. stay away from it, right? But what that to me is the, is the application in my life of what minimalism really means. It's not about being cool because I'm like living low key in a, in a truck, mm-hmm. although it could be that. It's about making sure that I'm not wasting my energies on things right. that are somebody else's agenda right. rather than the agenda that I've got in my own life to increase the love, peace, joy, goodness, truth, and beauty in the world. Right. That's and, what I'm about. And to help people see the times where we sometimes unknowingly or unwittingly become a pawn in somebody else's plan, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or even sometimes we, we know it, um, but we don't know how to get out of it, right? What yeah. do we do about it? So, yeah, it's the, those, you know, avoiding those religious wolves or, and, and seeing them coming, the foresight to yeah. see, see them coming on yeah. their way, right? We can't necessarily stop them, but we can stop their effect on us. Uh, perhaps, especially if we understand what they're doing. So the next time somebody threatens you, somebody's coming at you, somebody's bullying you because of something you believe in and something you know darn well is right. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, it's not something where you're just like, you're signed up for some team and like your team is all fighting. You know, if you believe in it, have at it. We might disagree, but have at it. But make sure you believe in it. That's yeah. the key. Um, and uh, don't make it just a lifestyle choice, <laughs> you know? Well, and I think, so and the other thing too, I do think that there is a lot of energy sometimes that can go and be thrown around in social media because we hear a few sentences of something and then are quick to spout off about X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. no matter who you are, right? You mm-hmm. see something, it kind of gets you flared up. Yeah. And then, you know, but I think it, it definitely makes sense that we look into the whole story of it as well yeah. right and not just appeal to you know sometimes the clickbait <laughs> yeah. for our information right yeah. and i think sometimes we'll realize you know a whole level and dimension of something that we were completely unaware of that it would be very helpful and when you're combating anybody or talking about it or anything you then you're informed now you you actually know sort of 
what is behind this all, the foundation of it all. So do you also know what it is that you're trying to change or or attack if you need to, right? That yeah. You're not just throwing empty punches out in the air to, um, you know, pretend enemies. Yeah. So when people do become your enemy, you love them, but you recognize that you need to conserve your energy. Don't flail about. Don't waste your energy just panicking or running this way Being and Being reactive instead of... Or smashing things. Yeah, that's good. That's not reactive. But you, you come at these challenges by asking, are you here to negotiate peace with me? Or are you here to see how large my army is? And friends, it may not feel like it right now. But if you are on the side of goodness, truth, and beauty, if you are on the way of the Tao, if you are working towards being a Tao surfer in a world that's trying to throw you off your board and get you to be crestfallen, get you to be you know, all caught up in the riptides and, and, and drown in this. Or keep you busy enough so that you don't ever <sighs> yeah. stop thinking about what you're doing and you just keep flailing, right? Until you're too tired to flail around anymore. Friends, you've got the whole world at your disposal if you can understand the fulcrum that is Tao surfing. That is, if you, can, if you can understand how to leverage the power that is already there and partly the power of people around you that maybe are anonymous to you now, um, to the great cloud of witnesses, to use Christian language, to use the, um, the order of the great Pyrenees, to use my poetic language uh, of something that I, I had seen and experienced. Um, you're not alone and it gets lonely. You're not alone and it gets lonely. But if you stick to your guns and you let people see in you those little bits of Tao surfing and you encourage other people not to give up. And it's a perspective where we can kind of push away the clutter and the cobwebs and the things that are getting in the way that are causing all this turmoil, focusing in on what really is important because it's in that area and the, the true surf, the true Tao surfing where there is a simpler life, yeah. where Contentment. there's deep peace upon peace. Uh, thank you so much friends for joining us for this episode of the protect your noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said there wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? Perhaps because you found this letter low too much.